Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in to King's Talk, presented by Cap City Crown. As always, Tony, along with John here. Um, you know, start of the season, 0-3. You know, lose to the Trailblazers. In a game I was at, um, and you know, those, those refs were, um, you know, you could always blame it on the refs down the, down the stretch, but, you know, the Kings had their own issues that, you know, we'll dive more into, and then, the weekend back to back of the Clippers and Warriors, just uh man, just a disappointing way to start the season, especially with like all the like, you know, all the hype around the, this year with a full year of Sabonis and Fox and Brown and man, John, how, how are you feeling after these first three games? Well, you know, we said last week ahead of you know the Portland game that it felt like just the beginning. Like it, the the point before you have a second date with somebody, you know, because you don't really know what's happening, but everything is still optimistic. Like nothing bad's happened. Things can, you know, like for the most part, you can't think of anything bad happening, you know, and it hasn't happened yet. Mm-hmm. Well, the second date has come and gone. The Kings have started 0-3. And I wouldn't say it's a complete disaster. We didn't walk out of the restaurant, you know saying we were going to go to the bathroom and leaving and blocking their phone number. Not something I've done before, but um, <laughs> it may have happened to me a few times. Um, but, you know, this the second date was interesting. We found out that this other person's weird little quirk isn't so cute anymore. But it's fixable, probably, maybe. Maybe good enough for a third date. But skeptical and i think that's kind of where the kings are at and i think if you really look at the kind of range of issues which we'll delve into today it just seems like they're figuring it out like brown's figuring out combinations he's figuring out what the best you know situations are and it's gonna it seems very varied depending on the game and i guess like big picture, the Kings could have won each of these games. The Warriors game, the most recent one, <laughs> maybe they sh- that shouldn't have been the case. Um, but their offense kept them in it the whole time. We know this offense can score. You know, the Clippers game, they really should have won that game. You make a few more free throws, you know, they shot under 60% from the free throw line that, that game. And they lose the game by two. And that's, they, the, you got to give the Clippers credit. It's true. Paul George had a hell of a game. They were making tough shots. But you got to win that game on your home floor, especially. And then the first game, man, you really would have liked to have seen them get off to a better start. You would have thought that they would have gotten off to a better start. I definitely did. Um, it was a complete. You know, in the preseason, the Kings looked like they were way ahead of schedule, and the Portland Trailblazers looked like a team that was just starting playing preseason games. Like a week later, you know, the Kings didn't look like they knew what they were doing. And that kind of goes back into, like, trying to figure things out, which, you know, they're going to try to do going forward. But that that Portland game, you know, Portland, I think, is better than I thought they were. Um I think Anthony Simons is way better than I imagined. I don't know why I didn't. I knew he was a baller, but I didn't know he was like a killer. Um, I don't know. 
And, uh, you know, obviously Jeremy Grant was a great pickup and Josh Hart had a great game. Um, I think Josh Hart and uh, Winslow off the bench and Jeremy Grant all had at least one offensive rebounder. They were all very active on the glass. And then Hart and uh, Grant had the two three-point play opportunities near the end of the game that basically won them and sealed them the game. But, you know, the Kings made a lot of mistakes. They shouldn't have let a lot of those offensive rebounds happen or those fouling in allowing three-point plays. You know, like guys like Harrison Barnes not being able to stay in front of Jeremy Grant. You know, but a lot of these things hopefully will get solved. You know, guys adjusting, lineups adjusting, who's going to be out there in certain situations, guarding certain guys. That'll change. And hopefully you'll start seeing wins. And there, people will point to the fact that they're playing a very tough stretch of the schedule here in these first few games. You know, Portland was a formidable opponent. They're going to be, they're projected to be around the, around the Kings in the standings the whole year. Um, and then they have, you know, obviously the Clippers, Warriors, Grizzlies, and Heat. And that Grizzlies and Heat game coming up, obviously, that's just like super difficult. But like Keegan Murray said, you know, if you want to be a playoff team, and this is a rookie, if you want to be a playoff team, you got to beat playoff teams. So, I mean, we'll see. I don't know. And, and to add on to that, I mean, this is the NBA where more than half of the teams in the league make the playoffs. I, I, I'm just kind of sick of hearing, like, we have a tough schedule ahead. Like, yeah, most stretches are going to be tough schedules. Like, rarely will you have, like, a three- or four-game stretch against teams that haven't made the playoffs like the year before or, or aren't fighting for the playoffs, you know, it just, mm-hmm. it just doesn't happen. There's no one in our division or yeah, right. Our division who's not, I mean, the Lakers are own three as well, but I wouldn't say that's an easy game by any means, you know, um, you know, we got the Suns and the Clippers as well. Well, and then, I mean, who's, who's worse than the Kings really in the Western conference, uh, the Rockets, the um, Thunder, <clears throat> the Thunder. You know, there's. Only, I thought there's, the Jazz didn't the Jazz win yeah, their first like, two games. You no, know. yeah, no. I think they won their first three. Unless there's a like, yeah, there. Yeah, let me look it up. <laughs> they're definitely three and zero at least, and if they play Monday night, yeah, they are three and zero, and they play. Shoot, I don't know. Um, let me get ahead of this. Uh, they yeah, they played a night against Houston. They played one of those like back to back against the same opponent or not a back to back, but two games against the same opponent. Oh, okay. The old Houston Rockets, which we, you just said were one of those teams. that's definitely not competing. Yeah. Um, and so, so yeah, yeah, I know. Crazy, but it just, there's not many of those teams in the NBA that aren't, like you said, a formidable opponent there, or, you know, even those playing teams, you can count as formidable opponents now just because they have that playing, you know, status kind of um i mean there's a difference between top tier teams and you know not top tier teams but i don't know it, it i don't know i just it means a tough it's a tough league and the western conference tough and our division's tough but kind of going back to um you know these first three games uh especially that portland game it was it was frustrating because you look at the first three games you look at the first five games and that's the one you can probably win like the most likely chance and 
it was just it was just upsetting to see the Kings play so well in preseason and then they come out opening night and they they just they just looked completely different and I know Keegan Murray wasn't there and although he's a rookie I mean I think he he means a lot to this team already and you could see that in the next two games where he actually played um but it was yeah that first quarter was it was just horrendous and that's not what you wanted to see the Kings start the year off like especially at home I felt like the ball movement was just very minimal to what we saw in preseason and it's kind of just like like what changed? Like I, I get the competitions better, but you can, you know, you can keep moving the ball still. I just felt like that kind of they strayed away from that a little too much, and it was frustrating. It was just frustrating to see they just look like a completely different team than what they did the previous four games. And like, why would you? Yeah. Why would you not just continue with that? So, and in credit to Portland, but also, you know, no credit to Sacramento or no slack to Sacramento in that Portland was physical. They attacked the ball. They surrounded Sabonis. They played a zone early. Um, they they were they came at him with a good game plan, and it was a game plan that in the preseason you don't see, obviously. And I don't know. I, I wouldn't necessarily attribute it to, like, the Kings not being good or the Kings being too overconfident coming into the season or whatever you might hear. It's just, like... They're figuring it out, and uh, they 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 figured out some things, and they played good spurts of basketball in that game. Like I said, they could have won it, but it's like Portland was super physical, and that seemed to really work. Um, and contrast it with like the Warriors game. The Warriors game, they were just yeah, you know, like whereas with against the Clippers, the Kings did a pretty good job getting back in transition. Um, but they could not do that against the Warriors very much. There's just too many times where just Andrew Win- and ah, Andrew Wiggins was just getting down there after the Kings score, just getting an easy bucket or just on a one-on-one attempt down the court in transition. And it's just like, man. So it's just like it's a mix of issues. And again, it just kind of goes down to matchups, I think, and it's a large part. But you were there on opening night. That just, I mean, like I said, like not. It, reason why people might think it's like okay there was a little bit of overconfidence kind of surrounding everybody diehard fans that know and have been disappointed that have had the blood drained out of them by this team uh for more than a decade now um you know they everybody was high on this team and so it's just like that that was disappointing but they'll figure it out or they have a chance to figure it out i don't know they could still anything can happen and I think that was one thing everybody did admit. While everybody was kind of high on this team, everybody was also just like, you know, uh, anything can happen. And also, I'm not making any judgments about this team. It's three games, 82-game season, very long. If they started off 3-0, I'd be saying the same thing. Yeah, I, exactly. It is very early into the season. And, um, you know, but I mean, the, the reason to be skeptical remains and the Kings have a ton of prove, and it, it is just three games, and I'm not going to overreact or anything, but, you know, it is just disappointing, and it's like a lot of people are saying, look, it just looks like the same old Kings, like losing in Portland to start off the year, you know, with some just lousy basketball and terrible free throw shooting against the Clippers, and then a 50-point uh, second quarter and an 89-point half, third most of all time, mo- third most points scored in a half all time. You know, it's just like these little things that just 
just make you think back and like, oh, man, this sounds like the same old Kings. And I'm not saying it is, but you definitely see similarities. And, uh, you know, it is a new system under Brown and a lot of new players. And uh, I don't know. It's just it's frustrating. I'm not going to try to get too upset about it, but it is a long season. And I, I'm, I'm confident in Brown and to and his coaching staff to work out the kinks and, you know, get those better combinations on the floor. Like you were saying, he's still trying to figure out, you know, his his good lineups. And um, but, you know, the Kings, they, they're going to have a lot to prove this season, a lot to overcome. And it's it's going to be like that until they, you know, they they in that playoff drought and De'Aaron Fox even went on that Draymond Green podcast and they were talking about the playoff drought a little and he was saying like you know we're sick of hearing it and I think Barnes even spoke on it uh, not the podcast but spoke on the playoff drought about uh, just how these new guys they're like you know they're not attached to the playoff drought like we are like Kevin Herter he's been here for three games like the playoff drought doesn't affect him like it affects the, you know, like the fans and um, or like maybe a franchise player like Darren Fox who's entering his fifth season here. And, um, you know, so I get it. Like they're they're tired of it. I'm tired of hearing it or maybe don't care so much. But regardless, it is there and it shouldn't affect them really. But, you know, it definitely it definitely affects how the media sees us and you know, how other teams will see us as well going forward. So, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it can hurt, I don't know, all-star chances too. Yeah. I think, didn't Brown say that, you know, Fox should be an all-star as long as we're not losing games. I think he said that before the game, one of the games of the back-to-back. And it's just like, yeah, it's true. It's true. But you know what? You got to be honest. If they beat Memphis or or Miami, like all it takes is one win against a good team, and people be like, "Oh, okay, <laughs> like okay, so they can do it." All of a sudden, and then you know you got like you got Charlotte, and you'll have a nice trip to. Oh man, then you go to Miami, and then you got Orlando, Golden State again. Just looking far ahead there. I guess you got to take it one at a time. But like I said, if they beat Memphis or beat. Miami start with Memphis. If they beat Memphis, you know, the, the minds will, the narrative will shift a tiny bit, but also a pretty discernible amount. So, yeah, it, it will we'll just see. take that one win. It, it'll feel nice once we get it, especially starting off. zero and three, you're hoping they'd at least have one win by now, but, um, <clears throat> it's like, like I said, like I'm kind of sick of the, you know, tough schedule, but I mean, there's, Definitely not a lot of easy wins or, you know, supposedly easy wins coming up. And um, like Kiki Murray is saying, you're going to have to beat playoff teams and, you know, they'll have a couple chances in their next two games to do that against Miami and Memphis. And they can do it. And it just seems like they're still trying to get the hang of it. So, Right. Well, you know, kind of on this front of kind of – talking about these first couple of games it's kind of been interesting to assess who the best players on this team are and i think we should try to uh establish maybe just at this point who we think the best players are on this team one through five not positionally but you know overall value to the team and effect 
Um, okay. I think we could yeah. probably agree. I think we could probably agree that uh, Darren Fox. Chimezi is... Metu. Oh. <laughs> Mezzi Mamba. Boy, we will. I can't wait to talk about Mezzi Mamba. But yeah. Uh, yes. Stay on topic. <laughs> yeah, Fox. I know, Fox is definitely. Talk, talk, I'll talk about Mezzi for 40 minutes. Yeah. Just take it's it for a... the rest of our time. It's almost like a tragedy in a play. It's so, but it's also got some beautiful moments in it. Right. Yeah. You know. He's gonna have a redemption arc this season. I can't wait. But, but um, yeah. You sorry. For now, continue. For, for now, he's not in the top five. And very clearly, Darren Fox is the best player on this team right now. Easily. And I just don't think there's any question about it. Just what he's doing on both ends of the floor over 30 points a game on average in three games and getting involved on the boards, uh, getting assists. I think what he moved into like top three, all time Kings assists leaders, top three spat, uh, past Bud Webb. Yeah. Behind Mike Bibby and Mitch Richmond. Yeah. So that's mm-hmm. cool. Yeah, that's pretty that's cool. cool. Darren Fox. Hey man, yeah, he's uh, yeah, he's um. I now I think about it, he passed a couple days ago. He passed um, Weber for the most uh, most games scoring twenty, most consecutive games scoring at least twenty points. He was doing that at the end of last year, and then he got hurt. So I kind of yeah. forgot about that, but now I think about it, he did that. He tied it opening night and then passed it on the Clippers or against the Clippers. So um, he just gets where he wants to go. He's scoring on all three levels right now. I mean, he I think he went over from the three point line against the Warriors. Maybe hit one against the Warriors. Yeah, maybe um, one for five or something. But still shooting pretty well from the three point line. Surprisingly. In those first two games, he was, I think he hit all but one or two, maybe three of his catch and shoot attempts. Just really good. Even he's going, sometimes he'll just put it on the floor a little bit and he gets a good look. I mean, he just, he looks really comfortable. And he mentioned something about it being kind of a mental thing on that Draymond Green podcast. And whatever it is, he's comfortable, you know? And he was talking about it after the game. Like, you know, it's like being asked, you know, you're playing so well, but like these, you're, you're losing these games. Like that can be like tough and whatnot. And he just said, it doesn't matter if we're not winning at this point, at least. And, you know, I think he's in a good space. I think guys still feel bought into it. And the fact that it kind of comes down to whether or not he's bought into it. I mean, like the only reason I feel like, I mean, not the only reason we'll get into some of these other guys. Um, but the main reason you know, this team has a chance to be good is because Darren Fox is a super special player. And he's just, if he can just do it from start to finish, we said he, 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 he he's going to show how great he is. And he's getting off to a great start, um, which is, you know, it's three games, but it's exactly what we wanted. Exactly. Exactly what we wanted. And that was a concern about Fox you know, in the last couple of years is that he had some slow starts. And especially last year, he just, he had a very slow start next to Halliburton. And, you know, it took him the end of the season to score 29 points a game to even boost his 
you know, points per game numbers up to 22. Um, so it, it's just very nice seeing him start off strong like he needed to. And he, he really put in the effort over the summer and it's 100 percent showing and his, his efforts paying off for sure. And it's perfect to see. It, it is kind of a bummer. We're 0 three, but um, Fox is definitely the the brightest spot right now uh, for this team. And um, that's exactly why he deserves the number one spot. I mean, the, there's no one really that close to him on who's the best player on this team. And you were hoping Sabonis would give a run for his money, but maybe he will. I, I think he will down the line, but he's, uh, you know, <laughs> he's struggling. But Fox, he's well, the man. You know, I think to, because on the second one, my number two, I think it's probably between two guys right now. Um, maybe two, three guys, honestly. Yeah, two Ks. Um, uh, yeah. Um, and But still, like I think of the three guys that I think are kind of in the running for the second best player, although he hasn't played super great, you know, and I probably wouldn't make the case that he's the second best player on this team right now. Like right now, three games into the season. Um, but you almost think... You know, like I feel like we said this at the beginning of the year or before it started, is that if this Kings team is going to be winning games and being really good, like Sabonis needs to like be like their best player. He needs to be playing like it because he was playing like it last season, despite Fox basically doing what he's doing now at the end of last year. Just what Sabonis was doing for everybody else made him so important, and he kind of looked better. Um, in the Clippers game at times, and then at times in the Warriors game. But just like overall, it just hasn't been the same punch. And there's different reasons for it. And again, I think it comes down to maybe trying to find the right lineups to have around him. I mean, man, Akpala started three games, dude. <laughs> it's just like, I I think a lot of people were seeing it. It's just like, yeah, Akpala does some good things and he has some good defensive moments, but it's just like, when the game starts going back and forth and it's in the full court all the time, he just doesn't have the greatest awareness. He doesn't have the greatest spacing uh, awareness on offense. And sometimes he'll just get kind of he's, – he's not he's, – he's good on defense, but I just feel like the effect is overall not as great. Um, and there was a reason Keegan Murray, who I'm sure we're just about to talk about, um, started the second half against the Warriors and is pro- – is, probably going to start against the Memphis Grizzlies. No, nothing's certain. I wouldn't put it past Brown to start Akpala for another game. <laughs> but um, <Yeah. laughs> but uh, that second best player, I would make the case that it's Keegan Murray just because whenever he goes out there, they're just instantly better. <laughs> yeah, you could very well make that case easily. And especially after what he did in preseason, it just seems like it's transitioning. Because I think you could have easily made that case that he was the best player in preseason, right? And yeah, it's oh, preseason. Easy. It's not regular season. But he, he missed the opening night. But the last two games, like, yeah, he's, it's exactly what it looked like in preseason. They just look so much better with him out on the floor. He's just playing very efficient basketball. Um, you know, playing very well. Um, and you... You said at the beginning of the season that you think he could be like a top three guy on this this team, and I was very skeptical and like, yeah, it's, it's like I'm not high on rookies. It's just like they're rookies. You, you give them some time. Like NBA is different than college, but 
man after which what I, I've which seen I thought was I thought it was really sound when you said that I was like that's a yeah good point. like I probably sound like a little out of my pants here but after after summer league after preseason after his two NBA games and it sounds like an overreaction already but he just seems to play well no matter what level he's at just be an efficient player be a good player be one of the better players on the floor when he's on it my expectations have risen exponentially about this guy i i now have expectations for him night in night out and you know maybe that'll change maybe he'll start showing that he is a rookie but you know as what we've seen so far since summer league since i guess professional nba you know level games i guess if you can classify summer league as that he's just been phenomenal and now you you are gonna have that you know you're gonna expect him to be scoring you know 15 points a night to hit that big three when it matters and he, I think he is your second best player, and I don't think he will be. I think Sabonis will get back up to that, hopefully number one level, at least number two. If Fox really just has a great season, but man, you just can't you can't count out Murray now until he makes you count him out. He's just been that good. Yeah, and it's just that effect. It's like they're just better, and it's because he's so good on both ends of the floor. He got better throughout the game. He noted it himself. It, switching and kind of the whole playing on a string and whatnot defensively. He got better throughout the game and you could see it. I mean, he was a better defender than Agpala, I think overall impact wise. Um, and he's just so versatile. You know, Brown was talking about the fact that he thought he was just a power forward coming out of college. And he's like, I don't know if he's a two, three or four, you know, it's just like, he's so, he's so, so good. I mean, like he's got the, Silky smooth three point shot that's just really good. Um, he's level headed, as mature as can be, um, and he's a great defender. And I think he's really good for this defense because he just when you have to switch one through five like you do against the Warriors and against a lot of teams in this league, he's so good. You know he was guarding Curry pretty well in the fourth quarter there. You know I saw him guard. DiVincenzo in like the second quarter, he was guarding, I think Wiggins at times. He was, you know, no problem against Draymond Green. Um, and then even having to switch on to a guy like Wiseman or something like that, you know, like he put, he plays himself very well positionally. He's not afraid of a challenge. He's super long and effective and just like, he just does what he needs to do. And I don't know. It's like what Fox said about him. Like everything he does is efficient. He doesn't have any wasted motion. He doesn't have like, he was making all these points about him. And it's just like, man, like I, he just plays the game the right way. And it's almost like you just need guys that have pretty good physical assets. Cause he's six, eight, pretty long. He's not super athletic. He's athletic, but not super athletic. Um, and it's, you know, it's just, but it just comes down to almost his mindset his what he wants to do, how he can affect the game. And it really helps that he can, shoot the three like that but he's just been exceptional yeah no complaints I mean, he's almost looking like a steal on that two pick and it's still very early but he's just looks so good it's i wanted to make this point last week and i forgot to make it but it's like just well, seeing how good and it, it makes <laughs> no, it makes <laughs> way, it makes way more sense now 
just because th- we've played three regular season games now, um, or we've seen three regular season games. I have not played in any of the games. It's ridiculous. I, I can't get Coach Brown to put me in. But, um, you know, he – he I, I remember doing all this reading, all these draft gurus, these wizards, you know, that know all this stuff. I'm reading all this stuff throughout the – throughout the summer or the spring and the summer trying to learn about these guys. And I'm reading about this guy, Keegan Murray. And I'm like, he's a good, like solid player, but he's just like, that's like all he's going to be. And I'm like, well, that could work for the Kings. Cause he could just be a kind of a plug and player. I had no idea he'd be like this. And I didn't seem like most of these, at least there's a few guys. I can't think off the top of my head who specifically, there's a few guys that were like, this guy's legit. Um, but you read those mock drafts like he's going four five or six or seven and a lot of those and it's just like mm-hmm. huh and it's just like it's just like yeah you know all this stuff it's just like he'll provide this and that you know hard worker on both ends all this stuff um and it's just like man i am ah uh, and i kind of knew that a lot of that's not 100 percent true but you do all this reading and you just kind of you just fill your brain with all this garbage and and ends up totally misdirecting you to the wrong thing because he is the real deal and that doesn't that's not to say like ivy's not the real deal like ivy looks like he can be good but like is he like gonna be winning games in his first couple of years no like he really needs he's gonna need a few years to really be an effective player keegan murray he we said it about halliburton when he was a rookie um and maybe a little bit about Davion Mitchell, more about Davion Mitchell's work ethic than anything. But like Halliburton on and off the floor. It's just like he felt like a seasoned vet. It's like Keegan Murray, he plays the part too. Like he could play a 40-year-old man in a movie. He just put some <laughs> – like like uh, like Fox said, like he just puts a facial hair on him basically. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. He's been great. I feel like we could – Chemezi Metu we could talk about for 45 minutes, but Keegan Murray, it's like an hour and 45. Yeah. <laughs> It is something special, and man, I mean, they were saying that I think like after we drafted him, and maybe after summer league, and what he was doing, they were saying that a lot of GMs said that he, that he was the number two pick, and it's definitely showing. Exactly, and, and I can see why Bancaro was number one. He had a really good debut, even though this is a Kings. Yeah, he's legit. Kings talk episode, but yeah, he looks legit too. But Murray's just. He's showing, you know, why that he was rated so highly. And it's just like kind of like what you're saying. You're reading those articles. It's like, yeah, this guy can be like good. But it's just like he didn't. I think I don't know. Maybe athleticism is just, you know, coveted in the NBA. Just like Jaden Ivey, just like this physical, you know, um, like he just has this crazy athleticism. And Bancaro is just this huge guy and physical and, you know, just, you know, athletic guy for a big as well. And. You got Holmgren, who's just like this, I guess, kind of like that unicorn and, and like uh, like that Chris Dabbs kind of guy. Just like, wow, like what can he do as like a seven-foot guy? And then you have Jabari Smith, who seemed like the better three-point shooter, and then Murray, and it's like, okay, like he can be a Kevin Durant type of player. But then you can get to Keegan Murray. It's like, okay, like, like, a, like a stretch four, I guess. Like you can play good D. Just like nothing like popped out. Everyone else had these comparisons and – like their potential was this, and Keegan Murray just was—it just like nothing. It was nothing was exciting about his game, like which isn't to say anything, but I think that's... I mean, like yeah, he shot he shot forty percent in college from three, 
in his last year in college, I should say. Uh-huh. Um, and it's just like that. Even the even like scouts and stuff and writers were like, "Yeah, but like we'll see." Like a lot of guys shoot. A lot of guys shoot, for, which is fair. A lot of guys shoot like close to forty percent or around forty percent in college, and it's just like, well, that doesn't necessarily mean you're going to translate to the NBA in that on that stage. But it's just like take into account that it's all that like off the court stuff. It's you know, it's I don't know. Like think about like Steph Curry. Like nobody wanted to. He wasn't like a number one. Like, he wasn't like a, in the top few picks because he nobody was getting him for his like physical abilities. Like he was like six, three, not very big, not super fast and like athletic. And like, I remember like Mark, what Mark Jackson wrote that he'll probably have uh, a career some somewhere in Europe or something like that on draft <laughs> night. <laughs> it's just like, I don't know. It's just like, well, who gives a shit if he's not a, a like an exceptional athlete? I mean, like obviously that can turn it into great things. I can, you know, I see, you, I see the argument for the first three picks, and Ivy at five, but it's just like, man, Murray. It's just like you combine that kind of mentality thing and that just like how he comports himself. It's just that's not to take anything away from the other guys. It's just, man, he's not as shiny, but it's just like he's, man, I don't know. Very, very good. It looks, I think you're right. It looks like a steal. At number four, it's like, whew. Yeah, for sure. So, I mean, that's that's why Murray, he's the number two guy. But um, who do you have for three? I would make the argument that I would, because I, I would put Sabonis at three. You kind of have Just, to, right? Yeah, I mean, and he had, what well, he's had like two double-doubles in a row, and it's like, okay, double, just a double-double. But I mean, he had, for all the, uh, for basically the fact that he kind of, and I'll, we'll get into this in a little bit, but to the, the, the kind of the fact that he was a little bit of a liability in having to do the one through five switching that we were talking about and that the Kings were talking about after the game. Um, you know, he's played like 22 minutes, 19 points and 14 rebounds. It's like, okay, Domas, that's like, that looks a little better. Like that's definitely your best game of the season. That's like a Domas stat line. You expect yeah. to see a lot. Yeah. And I think maybe he had a more positive effect on the game and against the Clippers, but the stat line was way better. It looked against the Warriors. Um, and so I still put him at number three. And I think it'd be interesting to see what he does against Memphis Grizzlies. Uh, uh, the Memphis Grizzlies, and uh, I don't know. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, <laughs> do you hear that dog? Yeah, of course. <laughs> it's, it's the Memphis Grizzlies. They're barking <laughs> at me, <laughs> but um, no. Uh, and Stephen Adams and all that, and whoever else they have as bigs. I mean, that'll be interesting to see because you know we've seen interesting matchups between like Nurkic being this kind of big guy. Uh, very physical and large and Sabonis like he struggled at times with that. Um, and also all the crowding and physicality that the whole team brought in, in that first game. But then also you kind of have everybody kind of running around and very, very coordinated and smart ball movement and activity and uh, pace exactly the way the war, the Kings want to play uh, that being the warriors. Uh, you know, there's just certain moments where he hasn't looked great, but again, I just think it'll come 
come down to, to matchups and whatnot and him getting a little more comfortable um, and getting the right amount of spacing. And I think getting Akpal off the floor, honestly. It was funny because before the game, I think it was one, before one of the games of the back-to-back, Mike Brown was talking about just like, we just need, I think he was emphasizing spacing. And I was thinking to myself, I'm just like, well, why do you have Akpal on the floor? Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, exactly. I'm like, I don't know. Like that just seems like you're just, you're shooting yourself in the foot doing that. It's, it, I think the game against the Warriors really proved it when he got pulled out like three and a half minutes into the game. Um, he just doesn't have that positive effect that you need from him. You know, I think he'd be the perfect type of guy that you have up your sleeve, and it's just like some guy's going off, and you just you need to put somebody on him, and it's like the third quarter, like we need to come out at halftime and put some put a different body on this guy that might be able to lock him down. Then you have Akpala. It's a great option for that, you know. Um, yeah. And I, I don't know. We're talking about Sabonis here, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> uh, you know, I still think I think you can make the argument that like the progression, you can you can foresee progression from Sabonis, and he's two time All Star. He's in that kind. Of, he's he's in his prime at what like twenty six years old. And you just expect him in these next few games to really start looking like himself. And hopefully this team, as a result, will look kind of a little bit more like we imagined. Um, but I think he's still the third, right? He's still the third best player on this team. I mean, he's got to be the third. Just, you know, not solely, but, you know, a big reason because of who he is. And he is still the Montanus Sabonis at 26 years old right i mean that speaks a lot of what he's already accomplished in his young career and yeah he he had a couple you know better stat line games against the warriors and clippers after you know not starting off the season too hot against portland um i mean you know he he had posted a negative 25 plus minus against golden state um and you know didn't play the last like 17 minutes or something he was but, in there for the 50-point quarter, and he was not in there for the comeback, the mini-comeback, the almost yeah. comeback. Which hopefully isn't, I don't know. <laughs> I don't want to. I just think Sabonis, he just has, he's just, he struggles on on those more athletic players, um, more athletic bigs than him, like the small ball guys and um, switching on the people. And that was the issue in Indiana was that he was their power forward behind Miles Turner, who was the center. And, it just didn't work out because Sabonis he's he he tr- struggles at the power forward because of those more athletic guys that play the four instead of the five. But you know when he when he has to when he's forced to face more athletic guys he uh, he did not look good and even like you know against like Nurkic he seemed like he was getting bullied around a little. So he definitely needs to he needs to figure it out on defense. I know he's not like the best defensive guy ever, but. He needs to be better than what he's been doing so far. Yeah, he looks a little indecisive at times, too. Mm-hmm. Um, I think against the Warriors, because this was kind of the prime example of it, um, you know, I think there was a moment where, and I get it, it's Steph Curry, but it's just like, or maybe it was a Clay Thompson one. It was one of the Splash Brothers. And I know Clay Thompson only had like eight points in that game. So it would have been just one of few field goals that he actually had. But, um, it was like coming off of a screen and there was kind of a like a half switch and it seemed like Domas wanted to kind of contest the shot. And I think it was Curry actually now that I think about it. I think he kind of wanted to contest the shot, but
but at the same time, he knew that he had his man rolling wide open at the basket, and he just he didn't make a decision there, and he just kind of like like Curry could have done whatever he wanted at that point, and Curry passed it off to the guy, and I get it, that's tough, and that's exactly what the Warriors are drawing up there, but it's just like I don't know. He, he there was the it was the indecisiveness that I'm pointing out there, and also I, I mean there. The, I wouldn't worry too much because I still think the team needs to get better on a string. And I think they made improvements throughout the game and they've made improvements with each game for the most part. I mean, they looked really bad defensively in the first half of that game of the Warriors. Um, but, you know, I think guys like Malink Monk and Terrence Davis, they they are like, they're contesting shots in the paint. Like there's a few instances where they have like deflections or, you know, blocks even uh, on backside help. And so, like, I think it's just getting down to that a little bit more, rotating, um, you know, which I think, again, I don't know if Akpala was always necessarily very good at that, but, you know, like, uh, I think you, you give credit where credit is due to Monk and Davis, maybe some other guys that I'm not thinking of off the top of my head, but, you know, you get a little bit more of that, and that, that'll really help Domas. And, you know, I think... It, it's like I said, you could foresee the progression, him getting better. Mm-hmm. And you, you expect it to. You don't expect him to, you know, play, I guess, even that poorly on defense all season long. Or, I mean, the stat line looked a lot better against Golden State. But, you know, like you said, like the stat line looked better, but he was a little more effective as a player against the Clippers, even though the numbers didn't look as good. But I can, you just expect him. And a guy, you know, with his talent and, you know, he, he wants to win too and he, he gets it. So, uh, you, you, you'll expect him to improve and it's hard to throw him below the third, uh, third best player on the team. And I, I think he, like I said, he'll at least climb up to number two unless Murray just, you know, or Metu just, you know, goes off too, but, um, yeah, no, you definitely want Domas at one or at least close to one. Yeah, exactly. And if Fox is, you know, giving Sabonis a run for his money for number one and Sabonis having a good year, then, I mean, that's when you're looking, I think, seriously at playoffs and a couple yeah. couple all-stars. But Sabonis three, number four. I think I know who you're going to say. That's, this is easy. It's Kevin yeah. Herter. Yeah, easily. Um, And he's so important to this team, obviously, because – you know, with him not hitting threes against the Warriors, that kind of hurt the team when you think about it. And now you can't rely on him to, you know, shoot, you know, exceptional from beyond the arc every game. Um, you got other shooters on the team to do that. And credit again to Malik Monk, who had a bounce back game against the Warriors. Had a, I think, went three of six from three. He had a pretty nice game. Uh, yeah. And, uh, but to, Stick this to keep this about Herder. I mean, Herder's just look good, and I mean, I think defensively he is what he is. He's like still not exceptional, but he's pretty good. Um, but he's just so so good offensively. He's just such a good shooter. Yeah, he's a sharpshooter we've lacked for a long time. Like a legit, like I trust this guy to make a three kind of guy. I kind of had that in Halliburton, but you wouldn't really consider him a sharpshooter. In the sense, Herder is like I just feel like the Kings just have not had that le- that 
essentially three and D kind of guy that you think of Herder as. And I mean, shoot, he looks so good against Portland. He was, I mean, how many threes did he hit? Six. Um. Yeah, I think so. Let me yeah. get that right here. But. He's he's just man. That's why we got him. And oh, he, he yeah, he hit six of nine. Six yeah, of nine. It's crazy. With some clutch threes too in there. I remember he he had a play where he pulled up way early in the shot clock. He dribbled it up, pulled up like four feet behind the line, drained it, and then got a steal and then uh, yeah. like a transition dunk or layup or something. That was he's just like awesome and yeah, easier number four because when, I mean not to you know foreshadow anything, but I'm interested to hear your five. Because I don't know if I have a clear cut fifth best player, but Herder's easily the fourth. Yeah, um, just to stick with Herder for a second, because yeah. I was, um, because I think Herder's great, and if you had like, like he's perfect, he's the perfect guy to be the fourth player on this team, and I would expect him to kind of stay there with kind of the top three being Fox, Domas, and Murray in different orders at different points of the season. We'll see. Um, but Herder for like I expect that to be a consistent thing. He's very very good. I was watching the Warriors broadcast um, uh, against the you know on Sunday and uh, <laughs> Bob Fitzgerald, who I really liked as a sports talk radio guy when I was a kid on KMBR. Um, I never really liked him. I'm not dissing the guy. I just he just <laughs> I don't know. He was just like an interesting. It just this, especially since the Warriors been really good. He just like comes off as probably the smuggest <laughs> uh, commentary guy, TV commentary <laughs> guy in the NBA. Just because, just like I don't know, you just and I get it. Like the Warriors should beat like everybody at the end of the day, but it's just like I don't know. He just they just always pointed out how much better they are, and it just kind of just again, he's just kind of smug and silly, and I don't know. I like Kalina Azubuki, but uh, but. Uh, you know, I was listening to them and they were talking and I don't even know if this is a thing. I think maybe some people have said it, but I, I we haven't said it. Um, people, they were saying like, oh yeah, and everybody, like, Herder's a good player. You know, gotta love Bob Fitzgerald. <laughs> um, you know, like he's, a, he's an exceptional player. He did really well in Atlanta. Uh, but, you know, people are trying to say that he's uh, kind of like, it's uh, kind of be like Clay Thompson. You know what I'm saying? You got a little bit of ways to go before you're Clay. I'm like, who's saying he's like Clay Thompson? <laughs> I'm like, what the are you white, talking about? Shoot. Shoot well, I don't know. This is, yeah, this is probably what it is, honestly. Just kind of like. They're looking at the pigment or whatever, but you know, it's just like it's one of these things where it's just like, damn, fun. It's like, we're gonna be defensive about everything with this damn team. <laughs> I don't know, but it's just like, Herder's super good, nonetheless. You know, anecdotes aside, um, he he's 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 really good, and I we were talking about it, I think, at the beginning of the year because he was like averaging what, like 12 or 13 in at Atlanta. Um, yeah, maybe even a little less, maybe like 11. Yeah. yeah, and it's just like we were talking at the beginning of the season how much he's going to average. You know, I think we were doing the over under and which I think was set at it was set at 12.5. Um yeah, he had 12.1 points per game last year. Um and I think we both you took the under on it. Mhm. I did. And, I did take the under. And I took the over. And we were talking about it, and uh, yeah, I don't know. How do you feel about that? <laughs> I just thought about that. 
Um, I don't know. We'll we'll see how the rest. I I'm still. I mean, I love Herder, and I I, I think he's gonna be kind of like he's gonna have some really good games, and not games he's gonna be terrible. Like he was pretty bad against the Warriors, like three for fourteen, one for eight from right. three. I'm not saying he's going to be like that every game, but there's going to be some games where it's like he's a little quieter and maybe doesn't touch the ball as much or so. I think that's, I'm assuming that's what happened in Atlanta with guys like Trey Young and John Collins. And, um, you know, sometimes you're only able to score 11 points even when you're, you know, getting a decent amount of touches. So I'm still okay with it. We'll see how the season goes on. I mean, he played really well against the Clippers and uh, Warriors, but... Um, we'll see. I, I'll stick with my under, but I, like I always say, I'm definitely hoping he hits the over. Yeah. Yeah. I think he'll probably, I think he could get, I think he could score closer to 14 a game. Yeah. Um, I you would hope so. You'd hope so. Yeah. Because definitely he's going to, he's not going to shoot, you know, like 60% from three or whatever he was doing in the first two games hitting like all of them. It seemed like, um, but he's just, he's, he's good. He's, he's a steady player. Um, and I think he's got, he's, you know, been playing as the starter basically the whole way through from camp through now. And it's just like, I feel like he's got pretty good chemistry with Fox and you know that's gotta be building pretty well with Sabonis and whatnot. Um, so yeah, he just looks good. He looks really good. But I want to hear your yeah. five. Yeah. Sorry. I'm just like, uh, no, no, I was going to go right into obvious. it. I was okay. going to go right into that. I but need to know. Number number five, and I'm maybe being a little bit bullish, but we're talking about just now. Three games. I know in. who you're going to say. Yeah, you know, who am I going to say? Are you going to say Terrence Davis? Yeah, I'm going to say Terrence Davis. I'm going to say Terrence Davis too. But I want to hear he's, your. He's I wanna... so good. Yeah. And you know why? Because the second unit for the most part, between Mitchell, Monk, and Holmes, haven't done shit. Yeah. I mean, awful. they were pretty good. They, they looked better against the Warriors. Like, Holmes had, like, 15 points. Um, and he looks a little bit more comfortable. I still think he's trying to get, like, into the flow of things. Mitchell had, like, 4,000 under five minutes to start against the Warriors. Clunking three-pointers off the, off the rim. Oh, God. Like, Monk, I was watching the end of the Warriors game again. And it's like the Kings just kept taking threes at the end of the game. And I saw that Brendan Nunes had tweeted during the game, like when the Kings were getting on the, you know, they were getting in the inside pretty easy there. It's kind of bad that they're getting away from it here late because it's like Murray took a three and missed. I think like Monk took a three and missed. Fox took a three and missed. And then like Monk, I think they got an offensive rebound and it was really late and they needed to get like points or I think they were down like five, four or five at the time. And uh, he just kind of like came up. I think he got a dribble handoff uh, coming up off the wing, came up towards the top and did like a step back three and aired it. And it's just like, <laughs> the yeah. hell? So it's just like, that. That was it's just like, what the hell are you doing? And, um, but the guy that like, and it really hurt the team when he fouled out mm-hmm. uh, on Sunday night, Terrence Davis, he gets the ball and he just, just going right at it. And he's, converting shots and he looks pretty good from three um and he he just but he's just aggressive he's getting to the basket and i don't know man he just he's been exactly what you needed off the bench and it doesn't he doesn't care who he's guarding 
how it works. And like I said, you know, in credit to Monk too, but Terrence Davis has looked really engaged on the defensive end. He's gotten better. He got called out in the first preseason game. He didn't look great defensively in opening night, but you know, he's gotten better and he's, he's like I said, he's coming pretty good on backside help and playing on a string and whatnot. Obviously he's not an exceptional defender, but like that's what you need is you need that getting that cohesive nature to the defense where things are going to actually start uh, producing stops. And I think on both ends of the floor, he plays with the grit and he just plays hard. I don't know. I just love that undrafted underdog mentality. And like I said, a couple of times it's a contract year for him. He's fighting for minutes from the start and through the whole way. He's always going to be start, you know, essentially fighting for minutes. Um, I mean, I don't know. I mean, like you're not getting a ton of production out of Harrison Barnes, but um, you know, Terrence Davis is just, I think he's just been the fifth player on your team. And maybe that's not a good thing. I'm not saying that's a good, that's a great thing for Terrence Davis, but I don't think that's a good thing for the Kings, but um, he's just been great. No. Yeah, it, he has been great. And and like you said, it, it shouldn't be Terrence Davis. And it, it, it's really not a good thing for the Kings. It, it honestly should be Harrison Barnes and then Malik Monk and then Rashawn Holmes. That that should be the order. And it's disappointing to see Barnes, Monk, and Holmes kind of struggle to start the season, it's especially Barnes. It's just like, dude, what the hell? But yeah. it, I mean, it should be that order. It should be that order because look at the contracts and number yeah. in the order of price. Those guys are up there as some of the more it, expensive contracts on the team. Yes, exactly. And you know, like and like we're I think we're Davis fans here. I think Davis is gonna take over as like our Damian Jones from last year. Just kinda like a like a yeah, like an undrafted I don't know was Damian Jones drafted he probably was, but you know, just a guy the Warriors. Yeah. Okay, he was drafted by the Warriors. And um just you know, a guy who has to, who has to fight for a spot in this league, and kind of behind a couple of guys on the depth chart. But he's showing he's taking like we said it. Like if he's right there to pick up some minutes if someone's struggling, and you know Monk hasn't looked that good to start the season. He like he looked a little better against the Warriors, but Davis, he like you said, he lo- he's looked aggressive, um, and he's looked like he's you know shooting the three ball well, and that's what you need from guys off the bench, especially if your big you know six man and monk i mean he's what he scored zero points against the clippers so uh davis he's he's just looked good and you you expect him to play like that all the time that's what you love whether he's starting whether he's a third string shooting guard you know wherever he is he's gonna he's gonna play with that same kind of you know tenacity and he's showing it this year and you just love to see it and and you wish he wasn't your fifth player best player at the moment but you got to give credit to him and you know, hopefully the other, hopefully the other guys like Barnes and Monk and Holmes, like we mentioned, who should be competing for that fifth spot. You know, they see it and they step up their game because the Kings won't be good if those three continue or four if you count Mitchell on there too. You know, continue to play, and I, I don't think they will. And this is so early, I like, can't say that enough. But it is frustrating. You, they have to play better. Like that's it. Yeah. Yeah. But just on Terrence Davis, just to kind of throw a nice little friendly dig at Bob Fitzgerald again, they were talking about Terrence Davis because Kalina Azabuki is like, man, I, Terrence Davis just gets the ball and does, wants to do one thing. And uh, <laughs> Bob Fitzgerald's like, yeah, you know, I was almost thinking it was the other Terrence Davis, the one that scored 50 points in a game. Like he said, that dead ass serious. He's talking about Terrence Ross. Yeah. <laughs> you freaking idiot. <laughs> 
<laughs> love oh, you. Man. I love you, Bob Fitzgerald. But <laughs> Terrence Ross. That's funny. Yeah. Okay. I mean, kind of because I, I think he did that on the guys. Raptors. He, he yeah. did it on the Raptors, yeah. and mm-hmm. Davis came from the Raptors. I get it. Both named Terrence. But it's just funny. shooting. <laughs> but I, you know, like no honestly, if Terrence no. Davis, I, I've never thought about this comparison. But if Terrence Davis can be like a Terrence Ross guy, good score off the bench, athletic guy, get people pumped up. I mean, Ross is just a good six man scorer, shooting guard off the bench, and that's what you need Davis as. I don't know. Oh, I, yeah. I don't, you just said that. I'm like, that'd be awesome if he could be what Terrence Ross is, like an electric scorer off the bench. And I can see how you can get the two mixed up. I think they, you know, I think they. Both shooting guards, headbands, they have similar types of play. So um, that's fair. That's fair. But yeah, that is it's, a good point. But yeah, completely different people. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, I guess that since we kind of went through the top five players there, um, you know, we kind of alluded to it there. Uh, but someone we expected, or maybe at the beginning of the season, assessing and appraising this team, we thought top five players, one of them would have easily been like three or f- the third or fourth best player would have been Harrison Barnes. Yet Harrison Barnes has looked like, I mean, overall, he's kind of looked like one of the worst players out there. He's not getting a lot of points production. He's had some rebound production. Um you know, he doesn't look great defensively. He looks like he's lost a step maybe a little bit. He wasn't like he was exceptionally fast or laterally quick, um, but he looks slower. Um, he's, you know, making kind of boneheaded mistakes. He had a couple of silly turnovers against the Warriors. And uh, he's also been missing free throws. Like we talk about the free throw thing and the the Kings came back and hit free throws last night, but I think Barnes went like four or seven from the line against Golden State. No, two or four from the line. But I think it was four or seven against the uh, Clippers. And he's just been consistently bad. Whereas, you know, Domas went seven of eight and Fox went three of three against the Warriors. So they bounced back. You know, Barnes didn't really. Um, and he just, I, people keep saying he hasn't looked like himself. And it's just like, yeah. And it's just like, I don't know if, I don't know. I mean, like Fox said, like, we got to make things easier for him as a team. And I'm like, I don't know. I mean, like, I've read a lot of people saying that he should be playing power forward, maybe even off the bench. Or like, maybe there's like a schematic thing going on. But like, I'm not sure. It's just like, is he just off to a bad start? I'm not really sure what's going on, but he's just played really poorly. Do you have any idea? Um, I mean, he's definitely looks like the oldest player on the team. Um, and St. Barnes is like, you know, a dinosaur or anything, but, um, I, yeah, he just, I don't know. It just looks like he has lost a step and I, I don't think it's age. He's only what 30 years old, but, uh, it is. Yeah. You, I, I sound like, I feel like an idiot now. Cause I was just like, yeah, Barnes got some bonus. He's not the second option scoring anymore. He's best, best year. But he's definitely not. That's still a pertinent point. It still makes a lot of sense. Yeah. But I mean, and who's to say he won't? And he, you know, it's very early, but he has not looked good these first three games. And, and, and like a note on that is I was, that's why I was a little upset when we cut Baysmore. I, 
I don't know. I, I didn't feel like Akpala, Maneke, and Matu all three deserved to make the team personally. I felt like that was a little, you know, Brown being biased about his Nigerian players. And I feel like this is when having Kent Bazemore a legit three in this league, regardless of how he played last season on the Lakers, like, hey, at least he's a legit three you can plug in because Barnes does not look good. And I don't know. I I kind of wish we had Bazemore at this moment. And, you know, because I, I, I said we need a Bazemore to give Barnes rest. But, I mean, you also need Bazemore in case Barnes plays poorly, right? Or whatever you we didn't we still don't really have that backup small forward and um i don't know it's a little frustrating that we don't have him now and cut him in favor of you know mete or maneke or even akpala i don't know i think i'm just a little i'm totally not i'm a little upset about that situation all three of those guys making it i think it's it's coming out now so yeah it's interesting uh, i hadn't thought about Baysmore, but he probably would have been helpful against the warriors that oh, whole yeah. one through five switching. He's mm-hmm. a great player for that. Mainly he's yep. only six five, but he's long and athletic. Yeah. And I don't know. I don't think he's gotten picked up by anybody, but you know, he was surprised that he got cut too. You know? Yeah. Uh, you know, like I was an too. Instagram post or something. He was like shocked, it appeared. And uh and people were talking about it being an option, but we even said like, Yeah, but like you need this guy. Like I feel like he's he's kind of like He's kind of like, you need that guy, you know? And he just went with the, I mean, maybe the trust pays off in the long run, but, mm-hmm. you know, I you could see clear uses for Bazemore right now. Yeah. And kind of to scoot things back to Barnes, because um, you're talking about losing wing depth. I mean, like you're losing even more wing depth than that. Cur- uh, not Curry. <laughs> Murray. Uh is going to be starting now. Uh, you know, Terrence Davis has essentially been your backup three um, for the most part. I mean, because Murray's kind of been the starter, you know, in mm-hmm. a way, getting like, yeah. minutes wise. But like, you're really kind of going full on with like Terrence Davis being your three. Maybe Akpala getting minutes in there as kind of like a, 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 a backup in some sense. We'll see how much playtime. But Barnes, you're talking about the starting lineup there. It's like, you almost want Barnes. Like, I feel like you saw Barnes guarding Wiggins, and I don't think there were, like, moments where Wiggins blew up, like, Barnes or went by Barnes or anything like that. But, like, you almost want to see Barnes being a less, like, less, like, mobile, less athletic, I think, than Murray in probably, I wouldn't say that, like, Murray's weak or anything like that. He can hold his own against fours, but I almost would say Barnes is like a little stronger. You know, he's definitely more of a man in a way. Um, you almost want to see Barnes play the four. They're just kind of like parroting what other people have kind of suggested. Um, maybe that helps in a way. Yeah. I mean, I think Barnes has historically played the four better than he has a three, at least on the Kings. Like, I mean, their lineup of death, like, you know, quote lineup of death. Um, has always been when Barnes was at the four and maybe you'd move Murray to the three, at least defensively. Um, and yeah, have Barnes man that four position defensively and, you know, Murray a little quicker than what Barnes is showing and can keep up with those, those small forward wings instead of the power forwards. And, and, you know, maybe that'll help a lot. So, um, 
I'm not opposed. I don't think Barnes should be coming off the bench at this point. I'm still too early. Um, but maybe, maybe just switching. And yeah, maybe because you assume Murray will be the four and Barnes will be the three. But maybe you switch that and then, mm-hmm. you know, kind of have them play the same, but just switch up the guys they're guarding, I guess. So. Yeah, we'll have to we'll have to see. That is definitely Mike Brown and the coaching staff's job. I mean, it's interesting. I almost wonder because Mike Brown has this conceptual basketball idea where they really don't call a lot of plays; they just run a lot of reads. Um, and as we've seen, that's kind of gotten off to a rocky start. <laughs> the ability to do that, at least like mm-hmm. they figured it out throughout each game in a little bit, and like each game they've almost looked more effective on offense. Um. But, like, you almost kind of want to see them. You know, Brown kind of has made the emphasis. He's like, you know, I used to be more of an X's and O's guy, but I'm more of like a kind of like a motivator kind of guy. And it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> maybe he need to get back a little bit more to the X's yeah. and O's. Because um, I think that's a little bit needed. I mean, like, you know, one of the things that makes Terrence Davis, like, so effective when he's so aggressive and whatnot, it's just like, what the hell is everybody doing? Like Terrence Davis gets the ball and he's 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 making a play. And Davion Mitchell's making plays sometimes. He's had some nice moments, um, you know, getting in toward the inside and dishing, you know, passes to other guys. And his mid-range shot hasn't looked terrible. Um, but it's just like maybe this conceptual basketball idea, maybe you build into that. maybe Because he kind of just dropped this team into the deep end in a sense, you know, which is fine. They're kind of fending for themselves without floaties. But, you know, I don't know. It's just, I'm not a coach, and I've never coached basketball before, so I can't speak to it. But it's just like, it's an interesting thing that, you know, conceptual basketball. Yeah, that is a good point. I think maybe he does just need to get back to the X and O's, but uh, he'll figure it out along the way. Hopefully he doesn't try to reinvent himself and hire him for the exact wrong reason. So, Um, right. I trust Brown still, and he's a good coach, and he has a good track record, so he'll figure it out. He wants to win as badly as the players do, so it's, hopefully it's just a matter of time until we actually get on track. And, and like you said, the read system, it's, it's a little different, and um, you know I can't imagine it's easy. So he's got he's to get, get the right lineups against the right matchups. He's got to just mm-hmm. figure that out, and I think that'll yeah. just come – like 10, 12 games in the season, they'll have a good idea. Yeah. Hopefully you're not like too far behind. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I agree. But still, it's interesting. Maybe you want to start off with plays in the game, kind of have a plan. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe. Yeah. But I, mean, I don't know. Again, I don't know. I, yeah, <laughs> exactly. No idea. Hopefully, you know, and maybe that just comes with chemistry and everything. These are a lot of new players still, regardless of preseason and training camp. Um, you know, the the NBA regular season is a lot different and still, you know, learning those reads and the chemistry with each player. And like you said, Brown's rotations and situational rotations and stuff like that and who plays well together. It's it's very early and, it, and you know, you never really want to get behind, but, you know, especially with the schedule ahead, we might get a little behind, hopefully not too far, but hopefully they figure it out, you know, sooner than later. But it, it could take a few games, like you're saying, for that to, to all really start to click. And we saw like the, the, the Pelicans last year, they started off one in 12 
with a new head coach and Willie Green. And, you know, they ended up making it to the, you know, the conference, what, semifinals or what, the divisional round? Is that what it's called? So many rounds like in the playoffs. But, you know, they still have one in 12 and new coach, new system. Now it's, you know, it's still made the playoffs. So um, even if it somehow gets to that point, I don't see them starting off one in 12, but there's always hope. Right. I feel that. It's just a matter of time, and well, it's it's kind of fun to figure it out. It would it would be less it would be less exciting, I think, at least for me. I feel like for maybe other people, it'd be a little less exciting if they came out and killed it. Build up the suspense of trying to figure it out, you know, face the adversity early. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Better to face adversity now than it is when you're you know down the stretch and you start losing some games when you need to win them. So we'll see. We'll see. Certainly. Um, and, you know, we'll see if like, the Lakers, who also have started off 0-3. Um, and I think, I don't know, their stats on three-pointers are terrible. You oh, know, it's so bad. You can, I think Kings fans, it appears this weekend, after a tough weekend, it seems, uh, you know, they can at least take solace in the fact that it's like, okay, the Lakers are – not, it's not like, like the Kings have started off 0-3, but it's like we're talking about a, a lot of things that can go right still, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Lakers, I mean, like, I don't know. I watched their game against the Warriors, and then I watched a little bit of the game against the Trailblazers. And it's just like I don't know what that team is. It's not good. No. I Like the – after – Watching the Lakers three games in, and oh man, like that no three point shooting. Russell Westbrook is <laughs> just he's playing just so bad, he's just terrible, and just like not just not being like accountable either. Just like Rush, you shot 0 for 11 today. How do you feel? It's like I played fine, like dude, just no, <laughs> you were terrible. And did we did we expect him to change? Like, we wrote about this, I wrote about this, you know, because I didn't have anything else to write about with that like month before the training camp and it's just like man like remember like Westbrook has always kind of just been like when the chips don't fall his way he like becomes like the most insufferable person on the planet yeah and that's so bad in a team sport especially he he, he needs to be he kind of needed to if he's gonna be on that team which the Lakers kind of had to swallow their you know that that pill they didn't they were they were forced to at this point if they're not going to give up the two first round picks you know he, then you, you need him to be a bigger factor and it's just like man they they're letting Westbrook be the cinder block that sinks them to the bottom of the lagoon it is rough yep should have just sent uh you know Montrez and Kyle Kuzma over to the Kings for Buddy Hill. And they think they, even as much of a head case Buddy can be, uh, yeah, they'd be in a far better position and have one of the better three-point shooters in the league. But you know what? Don't do that. We get Sabonis instead, really. So, I mean, I don't We probably could have got him still for Halliburton. But, you know, he's in Indiana now, and Lakers are going to have to suffer with Russell Westbrook. <laughs> it's just not a good look. Yeah, but, you know, I guess the, all the other teams kind of look pretty okay. <laughs> like yeah. the Clippers, the Clippers look good. I mean, like without 
Kawhi Leonard and John Wall coming off the bench for them. Just Paul George alone and hitting some tough shots. It's like, damn, that team is good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It is a good team, and you kind of forgot about it. Not forgot, but, you know, Kawhi was out all last year, and, and I don't even think they made the playoffs, but, I mean, Paul George is really good still, and especially with Kawhi, and you got John Wall as well, who, you know, may, is not the same player he as he once was, but you assume he'll still be somewhat productive, and they got a good coach in Lou, and they're going to be good, and, you know, Phoenix is – I mean, it's a good division. You got Phoenix, I and mean, they're Phoenix. Right? They went to the finals two years ago. They're going to continue to be good, and you know, Warriors are the Warriors, and they're going to continue to be the Warriors. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no easy wins in the division, except maybe the Lakers. But I mean, that's still never an easy win. Yeah, I mean, we'll see if they they start dropping like flies injury wise. Yeah, it's um, only a matter of time until Davis is, you know, you see that breaking news that Anthony Davis is out for two months or whatever. Right, yeah. But it it's interesting. I mean, like, I guess the one team that we forgot is the Phoenix Suns. Um, I kind of thought that they were going to come up and struggle this year because I was just like, man, I would almost take them as a good under because – they just seem primed to have a turmoil-filled season. I don't know. They come in. And they, they looked all right. <laughs> you know, they look pretty good. So mm-hmm. it's definitely tougher than maybe some of the more hopeful would would have liked. But yeah, uh, yeah. The Warriors, though, they've they definitely look great defensively. Yeah. Um, and sometimes their bench is a little inconsistent. Although I do think that, uh, like, Jamichael Green was a great pickup for them. Because Otto Porter is great. But, like, Jamichael Green, I think you're going to get you're gonna get more games out of him. Um, and he's still a very productive player. And then I think Dante DiVincenzo, I mean, obviously he's not GP2 on the defensive end. But he's a better two-way player, in my opinion. And mm-hmm. we know what DiVincenzo can give. So I think the Warriors got a little better. But uh, they... They have a few things to figure out, but they're still they're still really really good. So that's not a knock. But no, uh, yeah, it's tough, and you know it goes back to what what Murray said. You know, just uh, you got to beat these good teams if you want to be a good team, and it's as simple as that. And you know, it's like whatever about strength of schedule. Every game is tough. Yeah, they have to beat the good teams and. They'll have a couple chances in the next two games. Memphis on Thursday. Miami, I don't know. When do they play Miami? Friday, Saturday, Sunday? It's I don't even Saturday. know. Is it Saturday? It's, yeah, it's Saturday. Okay. Well, you got to beat the good teams. They weren't able to do that, you know, start the year, but long season left. And um, let's get back at it on Thursday and Take on Memphis, you know, after John Morant dropped 49 the other night. But it's time for Darren Fox to, you know, go head-to-head with Jaw. So that's going to be a good yeah, match. That'll be, It'll always be fun. That'll be very fun. Yeah. But um, you got anything else? I think that covers it for now. All right. Well, I'll talk to you next week. Um, till then, everyone, thanks for joining in. Until next time, have a good one.